Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the Dave and Gunner show. Uh, it's me, it's actually just Gunner this time. Uh, Dave is off uh, playing with the robots uh, with a Lauren, uh, and so he's left me to uh, interview two of our very special guests today, uh, Dr. David A. Wheeler, um, who is a, a frequent guest actually on the show, um, that is more than once, uh, and uh, and Emily Ratliff uh, of the of the Linux Foundation. Um, uh, actually, David, Emily, uh, why don't I give you a chance to to give yourselves a more formal introduction? Uh, David, do uh, you want to talk a little bit more about yourself? Oh, goodness. Uh, let's see. I've been involved in open source software related issues for decades and uh, also with uh, computer security things. I'm really interested in uh, getting software developed so that it can withstand attack. Uh, so I've done all sorts of different things. A number of folks who are familiar with open source software are probably familiar with my uh, uh, work in the past on uh, identifying quantitative data about uh, open source software and how it's and uh, various quantitative data about it. Um, and more recently, I've been working on something called the badging process project, which I think we're going to talk about a lot about today. That's right. That's right. And uh, and Emily, how how do, you, how do you describe your work? So I've been with the Linux Foundation for just about a year now. I joined to work on the core infrastructure initiative um, because I also have been working in open source security uh, for many years for uh, AMD and for IBM. I worked on uh, common criteria evaluation of Linux and uh, trusted computing enablement. Um, and other other facets and so this was a great opportunity to work more broadly on open source security oh that's great that's great I, you know it's uncommon that you that you have a podcast with three common criteria nerds on it um maybe we can spend a little bit of time on that later at the end <laughs> um, uh but so, so uh david when you and i last spoke um we dave uh dave you and i uh spent a great deal of time talking about I think it was Heartbleed was actually the big news of the day, right? Oh, yes. In fact, uh, we spent the whole episode talking about that. Yeah, um, yeah. For a qu quick, uh, qu quick recap for those who aren't familiar, uh, those who are just crawling out of Iraq, uh, OpenSSL uh, had a vulnerability, um, sadly not that long ago, that was really critical, really a big problem. Um, and uh, it was uh, called Heartbleed and caused a whole lot of people to suddenly need to rush and patch all their systems, including a lot of systems that perhaps they didn't even realize OpenSSL was running on. And, um, and, and, and we discussed this, and one of the big problems here was not just, hey, software has vulnerabilities, that happens, but there were a lot of questions about how exactly this happened. And as people started to dig into this, uh, there was revealed to be a number of problems with the OpenSSL project itself, which you know, a huge number of people depend on. And that really triggered a big question about, well, wait a minute, there's some open source software projects that we all depend on. Some are doing very, very well, some of them less well. And then the question becomes, well, what can we do about those projects uh, that are important, but for whatever reason have problems and need some help? Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and I think the and if I had to sum up the problem, it was basically a commons problem, right? Um, it was the fact that uh, that we did have these open source projects that everybody relied on, um, but there there wasn't really uh, kind of sufficient time and attention spent on some of the basic care and feeding of these critical projects. Uh, and it was so everybody was benefiting from it, but not anybody was. Uh, kind of devoted to uh, taking care of it, or at least there weren't enough people focused on uh, on keeping these projects healthy, right? 
I, I think that's at least one of the uh, major important parts of it. Yes, and, and really, I think there are some other things that happened too. You could, um, you know, there were things things that the project had just in part because of, of lack of care and feeding, perhaps, but they weren't doing some things that I think most people would have kind of assumed, well, you're an important project, shouldn't you, shouldn't you be doing that? Um, and, I, and I don't think they're really all independent. I think they kind of fed each other. Um, sure. but, but, the result, but the result was clearly, here's a really important uh, piece of software, everyone depends on it, and yet it's got some serious problems, and you know, are, there are probably other such things, what can be done about it? Yeah, yeah, and so and so very shortly after the Heartbleed incident, um, and there have been many incidents since then. Um, I think Heartbleed, I think, happened before I took over the the product management work on Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Uh, but since then, uh, it seems like just about once a month we get a big uh, kind of a big media splash about some you know some critical uh, some critical bug in an in an open source project. Um, and I know that you know that creates a whole bunch of activity on my in my in my in my day job. Um, so this is this is obviously not a problem that's been solved quite yet. But in the wake of Heartbleed, um, I think the Linux Foundation seemed to act very. I think it was the Linux Foundation, right? Seemed to act very quickly. So can can uh, I guess Emily? Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about um, this project that was launched uh, uh, in the Linux Foundation? Absolutely. So Jim Zimmelin likes to quote the quote, never let a good crisis go to waste. And so um, he realized uh, when the media reports started talking about how OpenSSL Foundation was only pulling in $2,000 a year and there was really nobody working full time on OpenSSL, that there were other projects in that same boat, the network time a protocol daemon, for example, and the Network Time Foundation, OpenSSH. Um, and so he talked to uh, a lot of the Linux Foundation members about the problem. And like you said earlier, Gunnar, it is a tragedy of the commons problem, and brought together 20 uh, of the largest technology companies um, to put a fund in place called the Core Infrastructure Initiative uh, to help ensure that the, the critical infrastructure, um, critical open source projects that we all depend on are getting adequate funding. And so that was established almost two years ago exactly. And we've funded uh, several projects, um, the two developers at OpenSSL, um, one part-time person at NTP, one part-time person at OpenSSH. Uh, we funded the one part-time person for the Linux kernel self-protection pro project and, um, and other projects that you can see on the core infrastructure website. Okay. And so, so Emily, tell me a little bit about how, uh, how, how do you decide which projects are essential? Um, I mean, there's some obvious ones, right? OpenSSL is an, is an easy one. Obviously, the Linux kernel is a, is a big deal. Um, but I imagine, you know, once you get past kind of the first 10, uh, figuring out what else is important or where you need to spend your time and attention and resources, that's got to be a really tricky problem. So how does the, how does the CII decide where to, make it, where to make its investments? That was the first problem that really came up. And that's when the CII reached out to David uh, to pull him in to work on the census project. And so that project we announced last year, I don't know how much you want to go into it today, um, but it was to survey uh, open source to see which ones, 
which projects are most popular, which ones are receiving uh, the least attention, and which ones might need some extra help. And it's a quantitative scoring mechanism so that the projects can be ranked and then a human can go in and evaluate to see which ones need and can benefit from help. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, is that is that methodology or that, David, I suspect, knowing you, David, I expect that that scoring or that methodology is probably available to anyone who anyone who's willing to read your read a website, right? Um, you, you would be exactly right, although it's actually not my personal <laughs> website. It's actually on, but it's on GitHub. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and absolutely. Uh, it, th- those of uh, those of you who are, are familiar with some of my stuff know that I'm a big believer in uh, reproducibility. So uh, we actually posted on GitHub uh, the method we use, exactly how we do, how we figure things out, uh, the code to actually rerun the census, um, and uh, you know, basically, um, you know, it would have been great to be able to turn the crank and just the computer be able to give you perfect answers, and well, not just perfect, but exactly these are the five projects and no more, no less. Uh, it's not quite that simple, but we can certainly get a lot of quantitative data that really helps to helps the people make better decisions, and that's really what the focus of the census project was. Um, and uh, as Emily noted, there's uh, now a number of projects that are specifically funded by uh, the Linux Foundation CII. Um, and, uh, I, I would say that uh, the funding's already had uh, really quite an, uh, an impact on uh, finding vulnerabilities, getting them fixed, and helping the projects just more generally get on a, uh, a, a uh, an even stronger footing. That's great. That's great. And so, so Emily, now that you've got, uh, so you've got kind of your punch list of, of kind of projects that you want to, you want to spend your time on. Um, I know, uh, uh, Jim and the Linux foundation have done a great job at kind of pulling together, pooling resources from industry and from, and I presume from it now, is it mostly industry actually, or is it, is it, are there, is there government investment in this as well? Um, We've had interest from the U.S. government and other governments, and so we do expect um, that multiple government entities will be um, Mm -hmm. providing money uh, to, to help out. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so, uh, so you've got these investments, you know, where you're going to spend them. How do you measure success in a project like this? Um, uh, I imagine, you know, (laughs) I imagine on some level, uh, any investment at all is an improvement. Um, but, uh, how do you know, how do you know, how do you evaluate yourselves at the end of a, at the end of the year, for example? Yeah, that's, that's a very hot topic right now. Um, and as you know, security metrics are hard to come by. Ideally, Mm -hmm. what we would like is to say uh, this project is more secure now than it was before we invested in it. It's very difficult to measure or improve. Um, And so we look at at other metrics. Um, And to a large degree, uh, the projects have performed this evaluation on themselves. So if you go and you look at the OpenSSL website, Rich Saltz did an excellent job figuring out what are the problems and what's the roadmap towards solving the problems. And so you can go and look at the OpenSSL roadmap and you can see uh, the progress that the project has made. For other projects, it's um, a a little less clear. um, And it's, I would say, an ongoing discussion. Um, And essentially what what we look for now as a minimum bar is to ensure that the projects that we're funding are responsive to CVEs. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like a that seems like a nice place to start. Um, just making sure that they're responding to the problems that are discovered. Um, and then I am am I right in, in guessing that there's a there's kind of a second step or kind of a second level of maturity where uh, you want to uh, you want to start measuring them against things that will prevent problems in the future. Is that is that does that seem right? Absolutely, and that's a great segue into. Uh, the badge app that we announced this week, or the best practices badge. And so one of the things also is we can't support every project out there, right? The the funding um, is not limitless. And so in evaluating our own projects, we also wanted, uh, or in evaluating the projects that we support, we also wanted to write down the best practices for establishing a healthy project. Um, one thing that we've seen is that projects, especially smaller projects, the first time they even think about security is when, when somebody comes to them with a vulnerability. And all of a sudden, it's a crisis. Um, and they have to figure out you know, how to respond uh, correctly, securely, and quickly. Um, and so one of the things that we wanted to do was to you know, write down the best practices for secure open source development um, so that projects could think about these things ahead of time and evaluate themselves against the best practices to see whether or not they're likely to respond in a healthy way when the, when the vulnerability gets re- reported. And David has been instrumental in uh, collecting the the best practices, documenting them, and socializing them. So now, and and as I look at the uh, and, and as I look at these badges that you've put together, um, they look like they actually look like little Jenkins badges, right? I mean, they they look like they've come out of a CI system that says, you know, uh, you know, uh, CII best practices, and it says passing, failing, in progress, that kind of thing. That implies to me that the that this this badging process is automated in some way, um, or, yeah, or at least it, at least partially automated. Is that true? It, it is partially automated. Um, probably should talk a little bit first about uh, the criteria, and then we'll and then we can uh, circle back to that. Um, yeah, that sounds great. <clears throat> Emily, yeah, Emily mentioned, you know, hey, we want to obviously want projects to apply best practices. What the heck are those? Um, so uh, I, uh, you know, I, I led a project to basically look at the information that's out there. Um, you know, looking at, at all sorts of, uh, of sources. And I should give a shout out briefly, by the way, to uh, Carl Fogel's uh, producing open source, open, uh, uh, open software, which uh, is, is an awesome book. And um, <clears throat> uh, basically taking that and trying to figure out, well, you know, instead of just gu- guidelines, can we, can we turn that into very specific, very pointed criteria? You need to do this. You need to do that. Uh, essentially a checklist um and then uh from there figure out how to score that and if you meet enough of those criteria and so on then you can get a badge um and once we had assembled those what we found is uh, as you hinted at a moment ago some of them are actually pretty easy to automate some of them aren't um you know things like you know do you do you describe clearly what your project does it's amazing how many open how many projects don't explain what their project does. We are a project. We do. We are. We and here's our name. Well, what do you do? Here's our name. That doesn't help anyone. Um, on the other hand, some things very much are automatable. Um, and so, 
we've already automated some of the criteria right now, and we intend to do uh, more uh, as we go along. But uh, we want right now we've been focusing much more on the what are the criteria, trying to automate some, and we'll you know we'll just continuously improve the automation as we go along. Yeah, that makes sense. And so as you as you've started this uh, as you started this project, I mean you've already got an impressive number uh, of projects uh, uh, in the in the registry, I guess. Yeah, you call it. Um, but the uh, so have you? You've already got an impressive number of projects in this registry, um, well, although it, I, it's, it's still early days, right? Uh, I'm sure there are many more, oh, yeah. and, and hopefully after this, there will be there will be you'll have an influx. You'll have you have more than you know what to do with. Um, so, what is the what are what are some of the things that you've discovered as you've applied this criteria to the projects? Have there been any surprises in terms of uh, things that are kind of chronically bad in these communities, or are there any kind of like pleasant surprises that you've discovered? Well, let me. I'll make a couple of comments, and Emily can certainly uh, chime in as well. Um, uh, let me caveat everything, though, by noting that hey, we only announced um, the the uh, project um, uh, not that many days ago, so it's we, we certainly don't have a you know a fully representative sample or anything like that. We've got, but we have some projects, and we have some experience from the people who have tried. Uh, to get badges or have acquired badges uh, over the early days. Um, there are some things that are sort of the, really that's the problem, but uh, but it turns out to be. One of the criteria that uh, we found a surprising number of projects didn't meet, and uh, which is funny because it's trivial to meet, is uh, you know tell us how to report vulnerabilities. It's really not at all unusual for somebody to you know, analyze some open source project, find a vulnerability, but should I treat this as a normal bug report and just say, hey, here's your vulnerability? Should I somehow quietly contact someone you know, and, and let them uh, deal with it in a private way first and then reveal the fix once it's done? Um, it's not at all obvious uh, to a lot of the security re researchers out there uh, how to report a vulnerability. And the, the funny thing about this one is it's, it's, a, it's one sentence to add to your readme or your project uh, website or your bug reporting system. But whatever you use it's trivial to implement but uh it's one of those ridiculous roadblocks that inhibits uh report um handling uh security vulnerabilities that's trivial to fix once you know there's a problem right um, another one yeah another one that is actually probably we we've there's been some controversy and some discussion although i think uh i, I think you'll understand both why and, and why we chose the way we did is after a lot of discussion we've just said hey for your project site, it's got to have HTTP. It's got to support HTTPS. You can support HTTP if you want, but there needs to be a way to securely get to your project. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. So what, what was the? So I and I imagine the argument against is well, that's out of scope because that has nothing to do with the with the with the code itself. That has that has everything to do with the kind of uh, I guess for the privacy, anonymity, security of people visiting the site. So what was the? Tell me more about the rationale for that. Well, I think it's it's more than just anonymity, although that's often nice. Um, the the real issue is: do are you getting the software? Are you getting the information, the configuration information, the all the other things that are actually from the site that's supposedly providing it? Um, what a lot of folks do is if they go HT, if they use HTTP, you have no idea if it's getting intercepted or not. Now, it's true that the website on the other end could be subverted. HTTPS doesn't protect you against that. But 
Uh, oftentimes, folks are trying to configure their websites to be secure, but if it can be subverted along the way, it just doesn't matter. Um, okay, so this is a this is a provenance thing, then. This is a prov. Well, it's a uh, it's an integrity issue, and, you know, and an, also an authentication issue. Are you getting the software you thought you were getting, or has it been tampered with in some way? Um, there are other ways to do this other than HTTPS. Uh, what people will tell you is no problem. All you need to do is check the signatures. The problem is that in practice, users don't check signatures. They just don't. And if they if if the one in a million does. How do they get the key for this checking the signature? And the answer is, if the answer is, I downloaded it from the same site using HTTP, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, you know, that actually didn't do you any good. You know, uh, plus one points for technical cleverness and minus 100 for uh, failing to understand the problem. <laughs> right, right, so, right. Yeah, so, so basically, um, you know, the negative with requiring, and actually originally we didn't have that as a requirement because there were some questions and, you know, gee, what about the costs of getting the certificates to do that? But of course, over the, net, over the last number of months, uh, things like Let's Encrypt have finally have, have come on and are actually, they're no longer in beta, they're live. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been mm -hmm. delivering a whole lot of certificates. And basically the, the notion here is that it's time. Uh, it's you know, we're not saying that sites can't support HTTP without uh, without uh, HTTPS. Just you've got to support it so that people can easily make sure that they're getting to the site they think they're getting to, and getting the software from there that they think they're getting. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So Emily, was there were there did you have any surprises, um, either pleasant or unpleasant, uh, as you went through this process? And 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 actually, I'm also curious about the um, assembling the CII itself. Um, uh, I don't know, do you have any war stories for us? We initially, in the in the first draft, we required both static and dynamic analysis, and so I think it was a little bit of a surprise um, that how difficult dynamic uh, analysis was for the majority of the projects, and partly because I think the tools are not quite there yet; they can't be completely integrated into a, a CI flow because they take extra time, and so we did. Um, we did drop back, and that's a suggested practice, I believe, now rather than a mandatory right. practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. I would say, in terms of negative surprise, um, the proliferation still of uh, websites that recommend uh, you know, download this key over HTTP, install it, you know, <laughs> into your yeah, and it's 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 kind of horrific, actually. Uh, the the, the impact on the end user system. And so yeah. if there's one practice that I could drive off of the web, I think that would be it. Yeah, yeah, no, no that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, for the both of you, what do you hope to have happened to this? What do you, what, what would you like to see in this project in, in say, a year's time? Uh, David, let's start with you. Sure. Um, well, I guess the quick answer is a whole lot more projects, uh, uh, pick up badges, and in the way they make some, uh, what I hope are not too difficult, adjustments so that they uh, produce much better, more secure software. Um, you know, these criteria that we developed, you know, are, didn't just come out of a rock. Uh, we went to a lot of different places to try to collect them. Um, the project itself, by the way, I, I, I should probably note, um, this, the best practices badge, uh, badging project, um, we developed the criteria as an open source project. It is an open source project. Um, and by the way, the um, application uh, does get its own badge. 
so, um, a very nice touch. A very nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, you know, I, I've I've worked with way too many folks who uh, write criteria and then fail to live up to them. Uh, so we're, we're we're trying to avoid that one right at the at the beginning. But you asked me what what I'm hoping for in a year's time, and really, it's a whole bunch of projects implement these criteria, show that they do. And the result is a whole lot better software as a result. Um, let me give you a, a uh, for instance here. You may, we we uh, kicked off talks talking about uh, Heartbleed. Uh, we actually did a, a, a what I think was a really fun little uh, exercise. Um, it turns out that OpenSSL, as of today, actually gets a badge. It does meet the criteria. Um, we didn't particularly uh, develop it for that, but that's fine. Then we asked, well, what would have happened if they had tried to get the badge just before Heartbleed was discovered? Uh, so we actually created a separate badge entry that's a historical badge entry for OpenSSL from a while back, uh, from just before Heartbleed. I think it was like February, uh, you know, the, it, it, we picked a particular date. And uh, they didn't, there's over, like, I think there's over a third of their criteria they didn't meet. Hmm. Uh, and what, what that, and, and, uh, what that tells you is that uh, if this set of criteria had existed then, you could have already told that, hmm, this project, there's already trouble here. And what it also says is that a project that goes ahead and applies these, I mean, obviously that's just a single project, single data point, but you know, this is a list of the, of the criteria that we're, that, are generally accepted by a large number of folks as things that you should be doing. And it should be unsurprising that uh, healthier projects tend to do better. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, Emily, how about you? What, what would you like to see in a year's time? I, I completely agree with David. I would love it if every project went out and looked at the criteria, whether or not they meet the criteria and get the badge, if they look and evaluate the, their projects against the criteria and make any improvement at all, I think that's a tremendous win. I would also like to see um, in the future that we can continuously ratchet up the requirements and so projects um, continuously improve this, their security stance on an ongoing basis. I would, I would love it if, if that could happen. Great. That's great. I would like to see that too. I'd like to see that too. So, uh, so uh, I guess I'll start with you, Emily. Emily, if uh, if folks want to learn more about the CII project and the Linux Foundation, uh, what what website should they go visit? The overarching website for CII is www.coreinfrastructure.org, and the badge app is on bestpractices.coreinfrastructure.org. Excellent, excellent. That's great. And uh, and David, um, we've talked about a lot of things. We've and and Emily, you just gave us the URL. Uh, we talked about our previous show on Heartbleed. Uh, David, if folks want to learn more uh, about this topic, get some links that we've mentioned uh, in the course of the show. Uh, what website should they go visit? <laughs> well, let's see here. Uh, if uh, if if they wanted to go to my personal site, I'll I'll mm -hmm. plug my own briefly, which is triplewdub.dwheeler.com. Uh, if uh, I'll also mention, as Emily did a moment ago, if, if you know nothing, if you learn nothing else from uh, this discussion today, please, please, if you might, are involved in a project, go to bestpractices.coreinfrastructure.org and get yourself a badge. And if you'd like to hear more about these kinds of shows, I hear that dgshow.org is a good place to go. Nailed it. Thank you, David.
Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, David, Emily, thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday afternoon to talk with us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you.